0: Before we get started, a big thank you to the patrons of the podcast, who allow this show to continue. You can find out more about supporting the show at patreon.com slash disciples This is Diapers and Disciples, Episode 72. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today's episode is with writer and speaker Lindsay Schlegel. Lindsay shares how her motherhood has impacted the way she views her spiritual daughterhood and how some of the things she often says to her children have acted as reminders of how our Heavenly Father loves and guides us. We talk about facing the pressure to have it all as moms and being able to turn and ask ourselves, is all really what God wants for us? Lindsay also shares some ways we can dispose ourselves to hear the voice of the Father and some lessons she's learned about her physical and spiritual well-being. Thanks for listening in today. Here's my chat with Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me here. I'm excited to chat
0: with you. Me too. Um, Could you start us off and just tell us a little bit about you and about your family? Sure.
1: Um, I am a wife and a mother and a writer and an editor. Um, most importantly, I'm a daughter of God. Um, I was raised Catholic. Um, but my mom is Catholic, my dad is not. Um, so if you guys want out there want to say a prayer for him, that'd be great. Uh so I went to church with my mom as I grew up. Um, my older brother wasn't so into it. And I met my husband at Youth Group. We met when we were sixteen. Um, and let's see, by the time this is aired, we will have been together for fifteen years, which is very cool. We're reaching the point where um well, we have been together for more of our lives that we, than we haven't been. Um, I have that date marked on my calendar in 2011 or 20, whatever, 2021. Um, so we started dating in high school um, after we met at this phenomenal youth group and um, dated all through college, we went to different colleges, but they were nearby. And we got engaged senior year, married about a year and a half later. And just shy of the year after that, we had our first child, um, Jacob, who just turned eight um about um 16 months later we lost a child to miscarriage um his name is Ethan and um just a little less than a year after that we had Henry who just turned 6 um we have a daughter named Sarah she's our, our I ca- call her our token girl um, <laughs> People knew that we wanted to have a large family, and when we had two boys in a row, people were like, oh, you're building a football team, and now we have this token girl. So I'm like, no, we're building the Power Rangers. <laughs> um, that's the plan. Cute. And our youngest just is has, has another boy, um, and he just turned one. So we live in our hometown. We're back at the parish where we met, um, so all our kids have had their sacraments there too, where we got married. Um So we're kind of living the small town thing. Um I love books. I always have um, I studied English and German in college. The German turned out to not be super useful, but, um, <laughs> but it was fun and it helped me understand English more.
0: Hmm.
1: And yeah, so I so I've worked in publishing for a while until my son, no, first son was born and then started freelancing and um, trying to write and fe- see where that led. And eventually it has led to me publishing my first book uh, last August with Ave Maria Press. It's called Don't Forget to Say Thank You and other parenting lessons that brought me closer to God. And each chapter takes a phrase that I say to my kids, say or yell at my kids, (laughs) like 75,000 times a day, and Mm -hmm. looks at it as God the Father speaking to me as his daughter. Um, Mm -hmm. I realized, um, actually, I had pneumonia in July, thanks vacation Bible school, and (laughs) um, I almost didn't go the next year. And during that time, when I was in bed, I thought about—I was thinking a lot about motherhood and how my—I was having a lot of time to reflect when I was very sick. And the idea for this book came to me, and the Holy Spirit really guided me to send it out into the world. And um, there was a there was a, a space for it really quickly, which was really amazing. So, um, yeah. So, so as being a parent, I think, has brought me closer. It has definitely brought me closer to God. I see it as my vocation. Um, And too much of, I'd been spending too much time thinking about how I could, I want to say, control my family life or, you know, uh, get my kids to do what I wanted them to do or um, these kinds of things and kind of be a control freak about things. And I realized that all of this is really, these are all opportunities for me to serve God and my role as a mom is, it's about me leading my kids to, to Christ and to heaven, for sure. Mm-hmm. And My marriage is about um, my husband, John, and me helping each other get to heaven. Um, but it's also about me getting closer to God. It's, it's the other side of the equation. So looking at that has really deepened my faith life and um, given me new perspective on how and why I'm doing all the things that I'm doing every day. Mm,
0: beautiful. I love that. Um, Well, you've articulated it very well, but is there anything else that comes to mind when you think about how you personally live out the Great Commission as a mom?
1: Sure. So yeah, it's definitely about um, forming my children as disciples. I know that when they grow up, they're going to have a choice to make about how to live their lives. Um, And my own experience, I've seen that very clearly because my brother and I were raised in the same household, very similar um, upbringing. Like my parents really didn't do much different. I mean, as, as as much as you do different because they're different kids, but um, and I found a home in the church, and I found that my faith um, helped me figure out who I was. And um, my brother didn't didn't have that experience, and so he went in a different direction. So I've seen that, and I've lived that, and um, and so it's always kind of on my mind. I know that my kids, as much as you know, we sing songs about the saints in the car, and they're happy now, but. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen when they're teenagers, when they're young adults, when um, when different influences are in their lives. Um, not that we're trying to keep them in a bubble, but my husband and I are very intentional about how we're trying to form them. Um, so I know they're going to have to make this choice and I want it to be an informed decision. A lot of what's out there in the world um, about our church is super misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So i um, trying to counter that and let them know the truth as I understand the truth and learn more about the truth all the time so that I can share that with them. Um, my oldest has started watching Bishop Barron, Barron videos with me. Um, I actually oh, talk about Bishop awesome. Baron so much that my kids thought, it, that, thought that I knew him. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, I won't, <laughs> but I don't. Um, if you can hook me up, I'll let me know. <laughs> um, so I want them to know that nothing else in this world is going to satisfy them. Mm. And so a lot of that is continuing to form, to have myself be formed well so that I can form them well. And I think then it goes out into the rest of the world. Um, someone once asked mother Teresa, uh, when she was awarded the Nobel peace prize, someone asked her, what can we do for peace? And she said, go home and love your family. So I really truly believe that it starts at home. And then, I mean, think about it as soldiers, if you want to, that are going out into the fray and, um, they can be a witness, but I also, I, I want them to be strong enough to make what I know to be the right decision. But I know that I can't say it to them like that. I have to live it um, mm. for them to really see it and want it for themselves.
0: Mm. Yeah. I love that so much. Cause I think it's so easy to worry about um, the future and like our choices that our, our kids will make as they get older. And I just love that you know, you're focusing on like, how can I give them the best foundation and like provide that now at the ages they're at now, even, you know, at a young age. And I think that's beautiful. I really love that. Yeah. They're capable of a lot more than we know. So. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Um, Well, as you mentioned, you recently released a book, well, last year. Um, Don't forget to say thank you. And I have just really enjoyed reading it, and um, I've been really convicted in a lot of areas um, in motherhood and also just in um, my relationship as a daughter of God and uh, I'm really excited to talk with you about it, but first, I wanted to talk to you about the cover of your book because yes. um, do you do you have any say in the cover art at all or is that I something don't. that is oh okay. Um well, you know, so- they, they sent it they sent it to me and said, What do you think? And
1: I was like, It's a hot cupcake. Obviously, this is fantastic. Um, and it's funny, I po- I the when I first posted it, one of my best friends since kindergarten wrote on my Instagram, I know those hands. <laughs> That's a stock photo. Those are not my hands, but she's right. They really, really look like my hands. Um oh, funny. <laughs> that was funny. She was so sure of herself.
0: Oh um, funny.
1: No, it, it was, I didn't know what, I, I I gave them some ideas. I really love the cover of Kate Wicker's book, Getting Past Perfect. I don't know if you've seen that. It has mm. um, like a, a cookie tray with yes. the letters of getting past perfect or like burnt cookies. Yeah, And I loved that the title was incorporated into the artwork that way. Um, so my name is like on the cupcake wrapper here. Um, yeah. And I'm like a blue, toned down blue, blue gray kind of a person. And <laughs> this hot pink book cover that I just <laughs> thought was
0: good. Yeah, I I love it and I have to say like my kids have never been so curious about the book I've been reading. <laughs> they like right? whenever I have it out, they're like, "Mom, what are you reading about?" And um it's like the most delicious looking cup cake, as you mentioned, in these hands. Oh, no. And so it's been awesome, actually, because my I've been able to talk to my kids about what I've been reading about. And um, oh, I, I you don't usually have that opportunity. So I, I think the cover has just like prompted that for them. So oh, uh, my God, that's, that's been so awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah. Really one really of my cool.
1: friend's daughters thought it was a cookbook, and my <laughs> niece won't let my sister-in-law read it because she like takes it into her play kitchen and serves cupcakes off of it. And she's like, no, no, that's not Lindsay's book. And she's like, no, no, it's mine, mommy. Like, I need to serve the cupcakes right now. That is
0: so cute. So I love that. <laughs> so, Lindsay, in your book, you write about, as you mentioned, this idea of like learning things as a daughter of God through um your vocation as a wife and in motherhood in particular so i'd love to for you to kind of like break that open a little bit more for us and i you know you talk about the idea of um rethinking motherhood as a means to a more authentic spiritual daughterhood so could you tell us a little bit more about that and um yeah and where that came from sure
1: um so it largely actually came from a book by Henry Nowen. No surprise that I have a son named Henry mm-hmm. um, <laughs> called the return of the prodigal son, um, which I read in college. I've read a couple of times, times since then. There are a few books that I've read more than once, but that's one of them. And in the book, he talks about the three characters in the prodigal son. There's the the father, the older son, and the younger son. And um, he kind of has you put yourself in each of those roles I think that's one of those gospel stories that we hear and go, okay, yep, know that one. And you like turn, off, turn it off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, he comes at it from these different perspectives. And he, the most beautiful part, I think, is he, see, he says when, the, when the, the prodigal son is coming back, that moment of conversion isn't even the moment. Like he's not even on the road yet when he's had that moment of conversion. It's when he realizes, when he, is, he calls it reclaiming his sonship when he recognizes that, that his father is his father again. And I had that in my motherhood realizing that I was trying to carry too much of it um, on my own shoulders. And that wasn't what I was supposed to do. That's not how God planned this thing. I mean, even in, um, in, in wedding vows, you, you agree, you know, you say, yes, I will accept the children that God gives me, but then God's not checking out and being like, yeah, good luck with like age two and three. See you later. Um, (laughs) He's with us the whole time. He wants to be with us. He wants to be with us in every moment. Um, so recognizing that I'm, I'm not supposed to be doing this on my own. God's with me. He wants to be with me. I have to let him in. Um, and really, he 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 wants to be there in a way that that I am for my kids. You know, so I think it's just such a beautiful thing. I mean, we all have parents. Not everyone has a great relationship with their parents. I'm fortunate that I do. Um, so it's been I can, I can make those connections, right? I think for some of us that that's harder than for others. Um, But I can see this relationship from the other side, seeing it as a mother, seeing it, um, the way I love my kids, what I would do for my children, um, how I'm there for them when they need me, how I rejoice in just who they are, Mm -hmm. just that they exist, brings me such joy. Um, And to think that God loves me like that is is mind-blowing, right? And we don't yeah. think about that in our culture enough. We're trying to figure out, um, I don't know, we're trying to find, figure out a hierarchy or put value on who we are in any myriad ways. But, um, but, But God doesn't do that. He doesn't look at us like that. And I think when we know that and we love it and we appreciate it, then we can go do all the things that he's asking us to do. But it's really hard, in my experience, to serve God well without believing that part and having it in my bones, in my marrow, knowing mm. that I am loved simply for who I am.
0: Mm. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. Um, early on in the book, you write about um this perception that uh, we as women sometimes feel like this need to have it all, or maybe like the culture is telling us, like, you should be able to have it all, you know, whatever it all might be, like working and having kids and doing this and doing that. Um, but I love the question that you posed um, after that when you talk about it and you say, "Is all of it what He wants for me? Is all of it what God wants for me?" And I, I'd love to ask you about that. Have you experienced that pressure to have it all, and have you? How have you found and, and sought the Lord in that? Sure, I think
1: it's hard to say where it comes from. But I think
0: I have experienced it not from
1: my parents. Um, I think my parents have always been very, uh, you know, do the best you can do, be who you want to be that kind of thing. And uh, like, be a good person. But I think the culture can whether or not you are aware of it, I think the culture gets in at us. And I think we have to, if if it doesn't, it's because we're fighting really hard. Um, at least for me, I know that I, I I, I don't know. I I guess it's mostly pride that I want to show that I can do all the things. Um, Or maybe especially as, I mean, I got married young, I had a child young, that I could still do the other stuff too. Or maybe it's um, as a Catholic that people are going to, oh, Catholic, she's got a ton of kids or something, which doesn't seem like a lot, but whatever. Um, But I mean, I grew up in a family of two, so actually four kids is kind of overwhelming sometimes. (laughs) But just, I think there's this, I don't know, there is a feeling of wanting to prove myself. Um, And to whom, about what, I'm not really sure. Um, Even when we say have it all, I think in our culture now, the conversation is like, yes, your all might be working full time. Your all might be having kids. Your all might be both. So we've kind of established that everyone can have a different all. But somehow we're still fighting to have it, even though we all have our own thing, which doesn't Mm. really make a ton of sense to me. Um, But if we think, what is the all that God wants for me, then that is something that we can, um, through prayer and spiritual direction and reception of the sacraments, we can be more in tune to that. And that's where we're going to find our joy. Mm. That's where we're going to understand who we are and who we were created to be. And that's how we're going to feel fulfilled. I think a lot of things in our culture have us feeling like we're not enough or tell us that we're not enough in any kind of um, explicit or implicit ways. But again, that's not how God sees us. God sees us as beautiful and wonderful because he made us and he loves us. Um, You know, when we first lived, um, when we were first married, we lived in New York and in the city. And the first question people ask you when you meet someone is, um, and maybe this was just in the circles we were in or um, was, what do you do? And mm-hmm. when I had my first child, I left my job. I mean, I was on maternity leave. Like I paid into the insurance. So I was going to use my insurance, mm-hmm. but I knew I wasn't going back. So I was like, I don't know what I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I take care of this small child and I pretend work over there, but I actually don't. Like it was a strange shift in identity. And I was very aware that my husband didn't have that shift in identity. Mm-hmm. He's been, he's still doing the same job. Um, So I think it's different now um, that I where I live and that I spend more of my day um, with moms who are also at home, maybe working part-time or not. I think that was the start of me trying to figure out this motherhood identity thing. And I think a lot of us, especially with young children, try, are trying to figure that out. I think as we get older and we settle into our roles, hopefully more of us <laughs> figure it out and get more comfortable with it. Um, but I've also felt those pressures even with, um, like say, I like to knit. And maybe I'm wearing a scarf that I made and someone maybe will say, Oh, cool scarf. And someone will say it more in a way. that's like, Oh my gosh, you knit too. Like you have four kids and you knit like, well, I'm not knitting constantly. And like, I mess up a lot. (laughs) So like, let's not put it in somewhere that it's not, or, um, or I've been trying to be more conscious of my exercise in the last couple of years. Oh, you ran a half marathon. Oh my gosh. But well, no, I, I need to do that to stay mm-hmm. healthy. You know, I think we we can see what someone else is doing and put it up either up or down, mm-hmm. but not just let it be what it is and appreciate the other person for who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I need a goal like a race to actually get off my butt and exercise. Um, so I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone. I'm trying to take care of the body that God gave me. So I think we all have these different ways that we are figuring out how to navigate our lives and especially with kids and adding more kids to our family, how that changes. I wish we could all accept that more of each other, but again, I think it goes back to accepting who we are and who God made us to be and what he needs us to do. And if we know that and we can live that, then it doesn't really matter what the girl next to us is doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I love that so much because I, I do think we do, we kind of tend to fall in, well, I'll just speak for myself, like two extremes where it's like, oh my gosh, people are saying I need to be able to like do everything, like work and have hobbies and raise my kids and do all these things. And then on the other side, it's like, (laughs) there might be the extreme of, wow, she's trying to like have it all. And like, maybe that's not what God wants her (laughs) at. for her. So I think like what you say is so beautiful about like let's stop like looking at other moms and just be like what does God want for me and um what is it that he has what gifts has he given me? What what do I feel like is important for me at this stage in my life? Like for some it might be as you mentioned like you like to run or knit as a as a hobby and just incorporating those things that are that are good for us in our motherhood and the way that God has made us um, without looking at everyone else and comparing ourselves to other
1: moms, yeah, and just one other thing that I think also I've, I recently saw the screw tape letters on stage and I, I I love that book um but I think also in there we see that like the devil doesn't want us to see reality he doesn't mm-hmm. want us to see who we really are and what our gifts really are because um, if if we can't see them then we can't use them and we can't use them to build god's kingdom, but if we um, feel some any sort of shame or something about maybe being even being good at something like, oh, well, no, no one needs me to do that or something, or I meant to do this instead. If we can really see who we are and who we are created to be and use that, then that glorifies God. Mm-hmm. And when we push those things down for whatever number of reasons, um, then we're we're not, we're not giving God the glory that we have the opportunity to. Mm,
0: beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Something else you mentioned, I kind of asked you about. So you mentioned uh, prayer and spiritual direction briefly, and in, in your book, you talk about how, in order to live your vocation well, you need to uh, dispose yourself to hear the voice of the Father. So I'm guessing like prayer and spiritual direction are kind of part of that, as you've already alluded to. But um, how have you feel like? How do you feel like you've been able to do this? Uh, well, spiritual direction actually, I'm just getting started.
1: I had a spiritual oh, director last fall and was supposed to meet him for the second time, and he moved to Michigan the day before we were supposed to meet oh, no. email on Tuesdays. we were supposed to meet on Friday, I get an email on Tuesday. all exclamation points. I'm so excited. God bless you, but I have to go to Michigan now <laughs> oh, thank you. so um so which is fine um and honestly the I mean sitting down for just quiet prayer time, I need to work on that more too what really what my what my um My pedestals, I guess, of prayer right now are, that makes it sound like a big deal. I mean, like the things I lean on so I don't fall over Sure, are um, daily mass, as often as I can. Mm. Um, The rosary um, and scripture. I think those are the things. And that sounds like I do them all really consistently. And that's not true. I wish it were. Um, Daily mass is pretty consistent. Um, My favorite thing is I learned a while ago that if I read the readings for daily mass the night before, I get so much more out of the mass. I hear so much more of the readings. I don't read through and meditate on it. I don't journal as much as I wish I did um, or make those like beautiful calligraphy things that people post on Instagram. That um, I And I'm not saying that in like a derogatory way. I think they're beautiful and I love seeing them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just read them and I let them sit with me. And then my brain is like more familiar with them when I hear it the next morning, if I go and hear it. And I connect with it then. and it's even if I'm chasing a baby around and I'm not maybe sitting and reflecting directly on this, like I'm also making sure that no one like bonks ahead on something. It's still getting into me a little bit more and my brain's working on it more. Um, hmm. The rosary we say on the way to school in the morning. Um, I used to try to squeeze in a rosary every morning Our schools 15 minutes away, but it was like, sit down, buckle up, start praying right now. Up, <laughs> to to Queen. Um, so then I realized there are five days in a week, generally, and there are five decades in a rosary. So we pray a decade each morning and it's mm. not rushed. It's not, um, I'm yelling less, which I think Mother Mary's happy about. Um, so those things are just, they're, they're so pivotal. They're so essential to when, I mean, if I try to sit down and pray, I'm still having trouble with trying to focus on something. My brain goes in a hundred different directions, but having the, um, the structure of the rosary and the form of the mass. Um, I participate in those as best I can. And that's what, that's what works in my life right now. And that's what, uh, it feeds my soul. I mean, when I, when I don't do those things, I notice a difference in how I'm reacting to things and how I feel and how close to God I feel. Um, and not that these are magical things that there's always a feeling of consolation after each one or something, but um, but those are the, the pillars, I guess, pillars, what I want to say before, not pedestal. Um, yeah. but those things are huge. Um, it's, and, and then there's prayer throughout the day. I'm trying to talk to God when I, you know, Lord, please have mercy on me. Don't let me lose it right now. <laughs> um, that's a lot of my prayer otherwise, but those structures that we have in the faith, in our tradition, um, my gosh, they've been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. And I think, um, the more we tap into them, um, they're tried and true. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's, they're beautiful. And, and I love knowing that they're prayers that have been around for so long and used by so many people to go closer to God. And the mass, I mean, so much of it is taken right out of scripture. So Mm. even if I'm not sitting down with my Bible every day, um, if I'm at mass, I'm, I'm reciting scripture and I'm hearing it and I'm being immersed in the word.
0: Yeah, that's great. So how do you feel like you are able to keep those as a priority? I guess I'm thinking in particular, like the sacraments, like you mentioned, trying to get to daily mass, and um, in your book you write a little bit about confession. and how, how do you how are you able to keep those as priorities as a mom?
1: It has to be communication, especially with my husband, but also with the kids. Um, I mean, daily mass is just a given at our house. Um, if you're not going to school, you're and you're not sick, you're going to daily mass. Hmm. Um, so, and because we have been since they were babies, um, so it, they they don't really know any different. Um, confession. uh, My husband goes, um, he works in the city. So he goes during the day in the city. So my kids don't see that we're trying to, we've been trying to talk about it a little bit more to let them know, you know, daddy does this too. They just don't see it. Hmm. Um, I have to write it on the calendar or I don't go because Saturday afternoons get crazy real fast. Um, And my, so my oldest son just made his uh, first confession and he's super excited about it. So we decided we're going to go first Saturday. We're going to go together and um, first Saturday of the month. And then another time during Lent and Advent. So now I have like an eight year old accountability partner (laughs) um, to make sure that I go. But I think also it's, it's, um, it's so helpful that my husband and I do have the same faith and we're both really committed to it and we're committed to raising and forming our children in it. I think if, um, if one of us weren't on board it would be um, a different kind of challenge for sure um, to fit it into the weekend. You know, I tell him it's, it's Saturday. and you know, like tomorrow's first Saturday, I like, would like to go to confession. So our, our day's going to work around me going up the street at four o'clock.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. Done. And you know, there isn't, there isn't more of a conversation. It's just, it's just, I need this now. Okay, go. Cool. Yeah. Um. And trying to make
0: that visible to our kids, they so know what we're doing. Yeah. I love that. And I, I love that it, it's just like a something that's become um, a habit. Like you said, doing daily mass from when the kids are young is just something that's kind of ex- expected. And then just having that conversation with your husband about, okay, I need to get to confession and just making it work and making it a priority. Um, that's great. So you also write in your book a couple chapters on lessons that you've learned regarding um, just your physical well-being, well-being as a mom um, one is on like resting and the other one is on like caring for your body. So I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what that has been like for you. Sure. So
1: I have found in my time as a mom that taking care of my body is prayer, um, Mm -hmm. which I wouldn't have thought before. I thought prayer was, you know, in a church or somewhere with your hands folded, talking to God, that kind of conversation, but prayer can be so many different things. Um, we're told in the scripture that we are to pray without ceasing. And we're also told to give thanks in all circumstances. So if you're going to pray and give thanks constantly, like you still have to make dinner, right? So, um, so somehow that prayer and that Thanksgiving has to work into everything else. Um, I found that the physical, um, like that's not the way that I can be, I guess I would say like a martyr for my family, like not taking care of myself, Not sleeping enough at night means I am cranky the next day. Um, And I can use it as an opportunity to grow in patience. But if I just went to bed earlier, then like everyone would be happier. Um, And when I take care of my body by eating well, it's not just about like whether or not your pre-pregnancy, pre-pregnancy pants fit you. It's about like, do I feel comfortable enough to run around with my kids right now? Um. Do I feel strong enough to? I don't even know. Just to, to do the things around the house that need to get done, or do I feel kind of sluggish because I didn't eat well and now mm-hmm. like I really, really don't want to clean the bathroom because I don't feel good? Um, or can I take care of myself and recognize that my body is a gift that God's given me? Yeah. Um. And He wants me to love and appreciate it, and that's not indulgent. Um. That's not. Um. I don't know, it, it, it's it's not it's not wrong to take care of your body because it's a gift and we should be honoring that. Um, I'm also very aware of what my kids see about how I'm taking care of my body. Um, am I making time for rest and for eating well? The same way I'm telling them, you need to go to bed on time and you need to eat your vegetables and you can't just have potato chips for lunch. You have to have a balance of things um, and, and embracing that moderation that, and there are times in the, you know, the liturgical year that we fast and there are times that we feast and both of those things are good, um, but we have to balance them. Um, so if there's some way that you want to like, sacrifice for your family, if you feel like, well, I'll, I'll put myself at the bottom of the list physically because I'm serving them, like I don't know that that really works. In my experience, it doesn't. Um, I need to take care of myself and my body so that I can serve them. I think those things go together. They're not in opposition to one another.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So practically, what does that uh, look like for you in terms of I'm just thinking about like maybe the time it takes to like prepare healthy meals or like taking time to exercise or how how do you kind of fit those in your day and make them an important part of your day? Sure. Um, well, for as far as food, I
1: found that too often I will make good food for my kids and then turn around and like steal a bunch of chocolate chips out of the door. Mm. <laughs> um, and some some days that is self-care. I firmly believe that some days that's okay. Yeah. Um, but if I'm making a healthy meal for my kids, then it's actually easier to make a healthy meal for everyone. Um, and really the, the healthy things that we need are not that complicated. I mean, having a, a whole a whole piece of fruit, like wash that off or like uh, the, the most beautiful food in nature, the banana, like you don't even have to touch it, but mm-hmm. it comes in its own packaging. That's like biodegradable. Um, so there are ways, I think, I think we can overthink how to be healthy and do we need superfoods, or we need like, we can eat very simple, simple foods, things that are not, we don't have to buy packaged things at the grocery store as easy as they are sometimes. Um, but preparing real food can be really simple too. It's, it's learning certain techniques. It's maybe some trial and error to see what works with your family um, and working together at it too. Mm-hmm. When we meal plan, I mean, there's there are five of us who can talk in my family. So if we each come up with one meal for a week, then the whole me- week is planned. Like I don't have yeah. to do all of that by myself. Um, although they do ask for the same things over and over and over again. Like we can't have chicken pot pie every single week as much as my kids <laughs> would like it. Um, they once asked for it where there was still leftovers in the fridge. They're like, we haven't had it in so long. It was like two <laughs> days ago we had chicken pot pie. <laughs> I love that you love my chicken pot pie, but really you're eating pie crust for dinner primarily. <laughs> um, one of my kids is like, I like that. I just like the crust. That's dessert again. Um, Thank you. So I think simplifying it can be a healthy, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Um, I have added vitamins into um, my regimen because a friend told me about some and I started using them and it totally made a difference in how I felt and how, um, the, the, the energy I had and what I, I feel like when I have energy, I want to treat myself better. And it's when I'm sluggish and tired and feeling whatever, for whatever reason, feeling frumpy or whatever, that I don't want to take good care of myself. And so it's, it's a cycle one way or another. And once you get on the right track, it's easier to stay on it. Um, And exercise, I've, it it took a while and it's changed a couple of times for a while. I was kickboxing and I had a plan where my mom watched the kids who weren't at school during this one hour. And I knew that I had, again, it was like worked into my day. It was worked intentionally worked into my lifestyle. Um, And it wasn't just my plan. I had someone else on board with me. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom was watching the kids the same way that if I'm going to go to confession, my husband is on board. I can go by myself and not have to like bring a toddler into the confessional with me, which sometimes would be okay, but sometimes they might be part of the issue. Um, (laughs) So and just going to bed on time whether it's setting the, you know, that, that um, on my phone, it has that bedtime thing that it'll like ding at you and tell you to go to bed. Hmm. Um, Or a lot of times it's just my husband and I on the couch talking at night. And one of us looks at our, uh, looks at the clock and says, we have to go now. Like we have to do this together. I think all these things that where I've found success in finding a healthy lifestyle, it's when someone else was was with me and mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to do it on my own. Yeah. That- so I think it's more that you can build it into your whole family, um, the way you live, then you're teaching your kids good habits too. Like I want my kids to have healthy lifestyles when they grow up. I want them to have regular sleeping habits, which maybe isn't something we think about, but I want them to sleep well as adults and i want them to take when they get to go to the grocery store with their own money and buy whatever they want i want them to eat foods that are going to nourish
0: them and fulfill them yeah that's really helpful um i wanted to ask you about a couple practices that you be- mentioned in your book um that i just really loved and they're just really simple things and the first thing is um uh something you do i think it's at dinner time um we do something where we ask like at dinner in my family like what was your favorite part of your day but you do something called um high low surprise yeah, yeah. could you tell me a little bit about that I think it's just such a fun sure. practice uh
1: yeah so I learned it in college I went to Boston College and um cause some of the like if you went on a mission trip you'd you'd kind of um you'd get together with your group beforehand and you'd have maybe meetings once a week for the first couple months or, or the like months before you went to get to know your group to plan your trip um and there was always some kind of reflection in there often based on something ignatian um so high low surprise is kind of like it sounds like a game but it's actually an ignatian examine
0: i love that (laughs)
1: um so so we do this thing called high low surprise and you could do it over often we do it um just from the that day um I mean, my kids, you, you know, you say, how was your day at school? And they say, fine. What did you do? Nothing. And I'm like, that's probably not true because you were there for eight hours. So I'm sure you did something. Like your lunchbox is empty. Something happened here. <laughs> um, so it's a good way to ask a more specific question um, and for the kids to hear about my husband and my days and, and what we did. And it, it engages everybody in a different way, in a more specific way. I think it makes it easier to talk about your day if you have... Um, Something like that. I mean, like, and everyone will know what's coming. The same way when we do our prayers at night, we start with "What were you grateful for today?" It's the same question every night. It's been the same question for years, so everyone expects it and they're ready mm-hmm. for it. Um, so your high is the greatest thing that happened to you today, the thing that you're most excited about. Um, maybe like you lost a tooth, for example, um, mm-hmm. or and your low would be the thing that challenged you or made you sad or something today. Um, For example, we did not have chicken pot pie for dinner. (laughs) Um, And then the surprise could be any, it could be, a. it kind of like could double as another high. Um, It's rarely a second low, um, but something that you just didn't expect. And um, we also try to use that time sometimes to, uh, to encourage and affirm the kids. Or to encourage and infirm, affirm each other. My husband and I will. Mm. Um, you know, I am so grateful. My my high today was that daddy got home five minutes earlier and that meant we got to spend more time with him.
0: Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Or um, or sometimes like my low is that there was a lot of whining earlier today and we didn't get to do all the things that I thought we would get to do. Um, so not trying to guilt trip anyone, but honestly, like this was a bummer and it made me kind of mm-hmm. sad. And then maybe we have a conversation from it. Maybe we don't. But everyone has a voice. Everyone has a moment. Um, I think it's especially good if you have maybe someone who carries the conversation a lot at a meal. Um, then you can say, "Okay, that's your turn. Now it's someone else's turn." And mm-hmm. it's it because of that structure. I think it it helps have a um, a more balanced uh, dinner time conversation. When I mean, people can be very tired and very hungry by. We eat dinner at like six thirty, and that can be a long time for little ones to wait, so um, it helps to engage with each other and make sure we're we're checking in with everybody, and everyone has a chance to to share what's going on with them.
0: I love that. I really love that a lot, and then, um the second thing I wanted to ask you about was you have this practice of writing uh, letters to your kids, which mm-hmm. I, you ha- they haven't seen yet, but they're ones that you're kind of like keeping for their future. I don't know if you right. have a particular age in mind, but, um, how did, how did you start doing that? And is it like you write one a year or w- how do you decide when you're going to write a letter to, to a child?
1: Sure. So I started writing them, um, to my oldest while I was pregnant with him. I started mm. a blog, um, when I was pregnant with him, uh, called, um, young married mom. Um, you can still find it online, young mom.com. It didn't have a giant following. Um, but it was kind of the the way that I started writing and putting my work out there and seeing if I could handle that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's interesting that blog, like nothing happened with it. I stopped writing on it for a couple of years before I even wrote the proposal for this book. And now I can see how God used that in this, even though it wasn't like this blogger wrote a book, you know what I mean? Um, it wasn't a linear path, but it was still definitely part of the path. So Mm -hmm. I started writing to him there. Um, just my, ref- I just wanted to capture where I was and where he was and, and let him know how totally loved he was. Even then I was just so blown away by how much you love this kid. Just, I mean, he can't do anything. Can't even pick his head up. I love him. I don't care. You know? Um, so I started writing it on the blog and then I, I, I would save them in a folder on my computer. And, um, I did that for the second child too, with that, that we lost. Um, And I shared those on my blog, too. And then I stopped doing the blog, but I kept writing letters. Um, And I wrote. Um, So now I I don't do them as often as I'd like to. Um, My oldest has a whole lot more letters than my youngest does. Mm -hmm. I think he had, like, five while he was still in the womb. And, like, (laughs) I had to write one before Thomas was born Um, because life changes. But um, these are letters that I'm writing to my kids almost, like, as an adult to an adult. Um, Mm -hmm. so that they can see that. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to show them, but where I was and how, like, I'm really trying to do my best and, um, not excusing anything, but just like, I love you so much right now and I want the best for you. And I am trying to do these things. And here's like a couple of things you said lately that just cracked me up or just brought me so much joy. Mm -hmm. Um. And or you know this this thing that we're going through right now, like my oldest has allergies. Like this thing is really hard, and um, I know it's hard for you and it's hard for me too. But um, you know, just know that I love you and I'm trying. I, I'm doing my best here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted them to kind of. I think our kids don't get that that perspective of what their parents are going through at the same time, and not that again, not that I'm trying to prove anything to them, but maybe as adults they'll look back, and maybe as parents. They'll see like this was the other side of that, and hopefully it it affirms them and encourages them, um, and helps them remember maybe some of the really like wonderful times that we had together, mm. everyday stuff or vacation stuff or whatever kind of kind of the same that we have photo albums to to remember things. Um, words are the, more the way I work, so I'm trying to kind of capture those things for them, mm. and it's not regimented because that doesn't work so well for me to, yeah. to know that I have to do this at a certain time. Um, my brain doesn't always function like that. So I try to just do it often enough. Mm. <laughs> um, and my plan is to give them kind of when they're, when they're 18, 18 ish, um, you know, my, 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 no, my, my oldest will still be like in high school when he's 18. So maybe it's more like 19 for him, but kind of when they're, when they're ready to go off into the rest of the world. Mm um, here's, you know, here's, here's this, here's this, this remembrance of this, like chronicles of your life and, and these beautiful things that I've noticed and I've loved about you.
0: I love that. I think that's such a beautiful practice. And I think it's something that your, your kids are going to love to, um, to receive at that time. And yeah, I, I just think it's a great idea. I, I sometimes take little, notes, you know, about funny things that my kids say, but I love the idea of like writing them a letter to just document different, different things in their life that maybe I would forget or they, they would forget otherwise. And, um, yeah, I just think that's beautiful. So Lindsay, how have you seen the Lord at work in your life the last year? Oh, this last year. Um,
1: so within the last year I had a baby, had a book published and, um, so those are pretty big things. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So the book, like I said, it was, um, i had been writing other things before that and, and they, I was writing online for a couple of places. There was a novel I'd been working on for like six years. Um, it's out with someone else right now. We'll see what happens. Um, but this book, I mean, I wrote a proposal, sent it to one publisher and they said, yes. Mm. So from when I started a document to when I had a yes was like six months. Wow. Um, so it was, a, I mean, the Holy Spirit was so in it. I mean, I was writing a chapter in the morning before the kids woke up. Like, I had the outline, but actually writing the chapters, they just, they flew. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, they, it was really, I was very aware that this was not just me working um, on my laptop in the morning. Um, um, and this baby, this little, okay, so my husband's half Chinese, right? But I, my our youngest child has blonde hair and blue eyes. Um, so which we just never expected. Um, <laughs> and it kind of makes sense with my coloring, but it just, just doesn't with John's at all. Um, so we've seen through, I mean, all through, when, when, once we found out he was a boy, we found out at 20 weeks, he was a boy. And I kept saying, it's another, you know, cause everyone asks, do you know, are you going to find out it's a boy? I kept saying, it's another boy. It's another boy. Um, maybe cause I wanted a girl. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm very happy now. Um, there was a moment, um, and then this, I had this blonde haired, blue eyed quarter Chinese baby, and um, <laughs> it's not another boy. It's not mm. another one like the ones before. He's totally different and he is himself. And like, thank God for that. Mm. He is, I think God was, I feel like that, that moment and still he's a year old, he still has blue eyes and blonde hair. Um, it's just God showing me like, this one's different too. They're all going to be different. Mm. And I love them. And obviously I love them. I mean, not saying I don't love them. Um, But I was just kind of thinking another one of this instead of look at this amazing new creation. Um, So I've definitely seen the Lord um, in that. Um, And I also have been editing for a small Christian children's publisher, um, which is just crazy because when I left my, Job. I worked at Simon and Schuster before I had Jacob, and I hadn't been there. It hadn't even been two years, um, and I was going to try to do freelance, but I didn't know if it would work. Um, I don't know that I, as a younger person, really thought about work and family balance, and if I I knew I didn't want to work full time, but I didn't know what else that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think I'd start having kids when I was twenty four, so I. I didn't know what that looked like. And when I did leave my job, it was, I wanted to be home with Jacob, but it was, it was hard too, because I felt like, I mean, it was my dream job and I left it and I wasn't sure how freelancing was going to work. I didn't think I had enough experience. And over the last couple of years, um, I've started to edit for this publisher called Little Lamb Books and it's fabulous. I mean, Mm -hmm. I am, I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do. And a couple of our books just won awards the last week. No, like, I'm just, I'm thinking of that verse where God says, uh, you know, I know the plans I have for Mm. you, plans for things I can't remember now, Uh, you know, (laughs) a prosperous future. I know what I, I know what I'm doing. Trust me. Mm -hmm. You can trust me. I know what I'm doing. Um, Yeah. So this year we're coming up on 10 years of marriage and there's a lot of things that we couldn't have expected, but it's, it's beautiful. And even the hard things. I'm, I have more perspective, and I can see how they were leading to different things. Um, so I'm I'm grateful for those things this, in this last year.
0: Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. And what is your favorite part of your
1: home, and why? Our couch. We have a brown, I guess, microfiber couch from Macy's. It was one of the first things we bought when we were married. Um, as John and I were going through the like furniture stores in Manhattan. Because um, we go look for furniture after work while we were engaged, um, <laughs> he would sit next to me on the couch and then put his arm out so that I could like you know rest in the in the nook of his shoulder. Yeah, and then lean his head back and close his eyes to make sure it was comfortable enough to fall asleep on the couch. Which <laughs> just cracked me up because he wouldn't just lean back; he would lean back and close his eyes every single time.
0: I'm like, John, Stop <laughs>
1: pretending to fall asleep. He's like, I need to know that there's enough neck support here he's very practical um and so much has happened on that couch um we have a great blanket that that always sits on that couch and it's a cozy place it's a place I wrote the book um it's also the place that I told John that we'd uh lost our baby which has been on my mind because January's anniversary um he wasn't with me he was on a, a a flight home from a business trip when I went for the ultrasound mm. so there's something even kind of sacred as sad as it is there's something about that like. I was broken on that couch and we prayed a lot of rosaries with me sitting on that couch and, and, um, and I healed on that couch too. And I've read so many books there and I've snuggled with my kids there and people have been sick there. Um, we get takeout from dinner and John knows that if we have takeout, I do not want to sit at the kitchen table. I want to sit on the couch. Um, (laughs) it's it's like the center, it's literally in the center of our house. Um, and it's just like so much of our, we take our, like our anniversary picture there sometimes. And
0: so, definitely our couch. I've actually had several um, guests say that their couch or like a particular <laughs> chair in like a main living right. space is their favorite. You just have a spot yeah. that's like you fall into it and you're at home. Yeah. And then do you have any mom hacks to share or something that's making your life a little easier?
1: Sure. One of the things that we do is, um, which is great as, as our kids are getting older too, is when we, when the laundry is clean, I dump it in the living room next to the aforementioned couch and my kids now know how to sort it. Like they know Mm. whose things are whose. Yeah. And they fold their stuff and they put it away. That's Um, great. They don't put it away perfectly, but since I didn't fold it, I don't care if it's messy. Like if they if I fold a pile of clothes and then they drop it in the hallway. I get frustrated because like, I just folded all that stuff and you're, I don't know, pretending you're a helicopter right now or something, so you <laughs> drop it, um, which is fair if you're a little kid, but it's still frustrating. Yeah. But if they're folding their clothes and they drop it, I don't really care as much. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's not a good thing, but, um, but they have a lot of independence from that, and I've realized that they kind of wanted to do it on their own. Like my oldest saw me folding laundry and I'd, I'd have him like match the socks. I thought I was being educational or something. I was like, play a matching mm-hmm. game with these socks over here. Um, and then as each one wants to be like the big kids, I mean, there are definitely moments when they, they don't want to, and they're whining and cranky about it. But a lot of time, now they just know that if there's laundry there, you put it away. Yeah. Um, giant time saver. Um, sanity saver because I'm not really a huge fan of folding laundry and I don't have to do it as much. So I, and being consistent with it. I think in that I've really seen that consistency is so key because, um, even there'll be a basket of laundry and one of the kids will say, Hey, there's laundry there. We have to fold it. Like they do it. They, they, they initiate it now because they just know that this is what, this is what mom's going to say we have to do. We wore the clothes. We have to put them away. So <laughs>
0: It's awesome, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much. It has been so lovely chatting with you, and I just appreciate you taking the time to to chat with me. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting with you too. Um, is there somewhere in particular that you like to direct people to um, check out uh, maybe more about your writing or um, other things that you have going on? Sure. Um, so my website is
1: com. Not easy to spell. Um, <laughs> but you can, I mean, you can also find me by looking up if you go on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or anywhere you buy your books and look up, don't forget to say thank you. Um, you'll see a book with a hot pink cupcake on it and you can <laughs> get the spelling from there. Um, so there's links there to the other places I write online. I write for Verily, I write for Natural Womanhood, which is um, a website about fertility awareness based methods. Mm. I write um at Alatea, which I really hope I'm saying correctly. Because <laughs> I write I, I write and don't speak for them. <laughs> um, um, Catholic Women Run and uh CatholicMom.com. Um, so there's a bunch of places you can find me online. I'm on Instagram, um, Facebook, and Twitter, often talking about um what I've been reading lately or or um something that's sparked my faith or some thoughts or a ridiculous uh kid thing. Great. <laughs> so I would love to connect. If you read the book, please send me a message or send me shoot me an email. I would love to hear um where it's where it's touched your life.
0: Wonderful. I love that. And I'll I'll link to those places in the show notes as well for people to check out. So um let me go ahead and close this in a prayer. Great. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time to chat together today. Thank you for all of the women listening and Um, wherever they're at in their day and whatever they're doing, Lord, I just pray that you would just make yourself um known to them, Lord, and that we would have the ability to practice your presence and um to choose to be aware of of you and how you're working in our lives by just a practice of of gratitude. Um Jesus, we love you and we offer this day to you in the name of the Father and the Son. hi friends i loved how Lindsay shared how once we can see know appreciate and really believe the father's deep love for us it's then that we're able to serve him and respond to what he's called us to i think that's so true that as mothers especially we can better love and care for and respond to our kids when we have the understanding of how the father loves and cares for us Thanks for listening in today, friends. You can find the show notes for the episode at diapersanddisciples.com. Until next time, you all are in my prayers. God bless.